Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show, A Balanced Life for You, where you design the life of your dreams. I'm your host, Rhonda Cimarelli. I'm an NLP practitioner and accredited transformational coach. And today's episode, I am going to share an interview I had with this amazing woman by the name of Michelle Dion Thompson. And before I get into our interview, I want to share a little bit more about her from her bio. Michelle Dion Thompson is the founder of Michelle Dion Thompson Coaching and Consulting Services, of which she founded in 2016. It is a coaching and consulting service designed to support women in law and academia to build sustainable work habits for long-term professional success. This includes helping clients build their particular writing practice, editing support, as well as developing personalized work strategies using transformational coaching that helps clients identify their priorities, strengths, obstacles, and harness what works best for professional development. What I love most about the interview with Michelle is her unique background in law and how she took the struggles and the dark times and what she learned from those and she is now taking that knowledge with new skill set to empower other women in that same field. I hope that you enjoy the interview with Michelle as much as I enjoyed it that day. And be sure to listen to the very end because Michelle has a special gift for you, whether you are a woman practicing law or not. So make sure you stay tuned to the very end and enjoy the day with us. Um, tell me a little bit more about you, like a little bit bigger overview than what's just in your bio, because you are very interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't know how far back you want me to go. It was actually my, I'm, I'm the daughter of Jamaican immigrants. Um, and I grew up in Chicago and I, at 12, I knew I was going to move to New York city. This is where I wanted to live and this is where I wanted to be. And I was going to do it as a lawyer who would sing opera on the side. And <laughs> really love it. Love it. And, um, I, um, <laughs> I, 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 it's funny like, what you don't know when you're a young person and you're doing things. It's like, but lawyers don't really sing opera on the sides because they don't have time. <laughs> so, but anyhow, like my whole goal was to figure out how to beat my life, beat a path to have a life in New York. Um, so I actually went to college and law school in the Midwest. And then I moved to DC where I actually got to work with people living with HIV and AIDS for a couple of years and then I did collective bargaining um, on behalf of a union local. So here I was in my twenties, like bargaining against these magic, like massive law firms and coming out with contracts that workers liked. It was, that was a really exciting time in my life, except that um, I was working 80 hours a week for 40,000 a year. Um, and I was drinking and smoking more than I wanted to. I love my community, but like, I just, I didn't want, I didn't like, I knew this wasn't going to be a good long-term plan. I was gaining lots of weight because I didn't have time to like cook and make food the way that I wanted to. And I wanted to have a child and um, working 80 hours a week does not bode well for having a child. <laughs> so um, my, I, I met my partner who got an offer at NYU to teach. And I was like, you know, I have this research thing niggling at me I think I'll go ahead and do it so that's when after seven years 
I went back to school and um, I went to NYU where I got a doctorate in history. Um, my primary field is um, the African diaspora, the movement of people of African heritage um, across the Atlantic, pretty much during the transatlantic slave trade. And um, my secondary field is colonial Latin America and the Caribbean. So I actually write about runaway slave communities in Jamaica in the 19th century. So that's, that's all that. <laughs> By the time I graduated with my doctorate, the job market was awful for, for people with doctorates. And so there's lots of part-time hiring and not many full-time positions. And what people don't know that after you finish something like a doctorate, that people actually get, they crash and get really depressed. I was actually just on the phone with somebody who seems to have lost perspective on how amazing she is like like that you've accomplished all of these things and you are like you're brilliant like i've seen your writing like what, what like what you are brilliant and she's completely lost a picture of that and that happened to me too and i got depressed enough that i actually i was thinking about suicide um and i would see my son and i go yeah i don't think i can leave him like that yet and that's when actually when i decided to do coaching for women in law and academia because I know the path that all of us, that, that these women um, get on. And I thought that enough, like I don't want women to end up in the position and the shape that I'm in. And I think I can help. I love that journey. And I, you know, what I love most about it is because you, um, like I just got chills because you're doing exactly with what my purpose and passion is, you know, working with mompreneurs, right? Um, right helping them to re get that identity back, right? Reclaim their identity, regain exactly. control exactly. of their life. Exactly. <laughs> because we do, we start, you know, what I find with the, the clientele that I work with, I work with uh, mompreneurs, women in business, with children. And mm -hmm. what I found is as a mom, we, we put everybody else ahead of us. Yes. No matter what our degree of education is, yes, mom, that's my title, that's who I am, that's mm -hmm. who I be, and my children come first, and then you know I'm the wife or significant other, and then I am, right? Or so I think I am. Right, exactly. And then you're done because you have nothing left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and it's, it's the whole burnout thing. So I can appreciate you reaching out to these women in this professional level of where you've already been to make such a difference. I think that's a, that's a beautiful, wonderful thing to do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. What it is that you currently do right now today. Okay. Well, I wear a couple hats. I, um, I, I run Michelle Dion Thompson coaching and consulting services where I do executive coaching for lawyers. And I also provide writing support and, the, the bottom line for my business is to create sanity in the midst of insane industries and to make sure that women can accomplish the writing they need to do to get to their next step for um, academic work and to have lawyers set up their work so that they're not burning out and uh, falling prey to many of the challenges that lawyers fall prey to, such as drug use or depression or anything like that, to set up their lives in better ways. Oh, I love that. So you said something really key um, that they're subjected to. What kind of, um, how long were you in the field of being a lawyer? How long were you? I was a lawyer for seven years. 
for seven years. Yeah. And can you share with us, if you don't mind, um, how, how badly were you affected or impacted by some of those pitfalls? I, I, you know, since I've become an entrepreneur, I feel like being able to set up your time on your terms is actually key to any work, right? You can love the work, but if you can't actually just say, you know what, I need half an hour to go to the gym, it actually, it just, it doesn't work well, right? And I found that, that as, I, as I got to the end of practicing law, um, what started to work, and I literally had done it for like two or three months, was that I would say, I would leave on my voice message. Okay, this is Michelle Thompson. I'm out and about bargaining agreements for you. I will take your calls on Fridays, period. <laughs> that made a massive difference in my work life. But what I didn't get a hand with was I was working something like 80 hours a week. I would come from a bargaining session. I'd come home. I'd like look up at what we did. I'd turn over a new proposal, grab some sleep, um, you know, eat some crap on the road and go back at it the following day. So that wasn't working for my life at all. And I, and when I had downtime, you know, I, I would spend time, Union people like to drink and they like to smoke. And they do, bless their hearts. Um, and that's and I would do that along with them, but I but it's exhausting. It's 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 exhausting and it really wears on your body. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, one of my um, the next chapter that I a co-author in is ha it is all about boundaries. Yes, exactly. Personal. And and I I agree with you a hundred percent because uh, that's what my other business was like too. I felt like I was always on call for you and I can remember you know doing very some, something very similar uh, you know the family would be watching TV or my husband's trying to get the kids to bed but I'm in my office working because I'm helping you I'm working with you I'm right. setting up your next appointments and then by the time I got done with the hours that you're available I turn around and there was no time for my family anymore exactly and I didn't have I didn't have my son yet but I'm like I literally would sit there thinking, now, how am I supposed to raise a child in the midst of this? <laughs> like, I was like, do, do I bring the baby? Like, I, I actually, I, it didn't make sense to me. Well, that brings me to the next point. So you were in the, uh, as a lawyer for, you said, seven years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you experienced many of these pitfalls, downfalls. You're working 80 hours a week. Right. And it sounds like you kind of had um, a moment, an epiphany, if you will. Can you tell us what happened at that juncture? Well, I met my, I, it, it helped because I met my partner who was a professor and I'm like, your life looks, <laughs> I like your life. <laughs> I like it a lot. And I've been, you know, and I, I wanted to be a partner because I wanted to be a mom. And I, I mean, I did think, spend a lot of time thinking like, how do you raise a child under these circumstances? Right? Like, I'm based in DC. I'm driving to Baltimore all the time. Like, I, I don't earn enough. I, I, I could imagine that I earned enough for childcare. I didn't have family with me in DC. Like, how do I do this and not raise a psychopath? That's like kind of my thing. Like, I just, we have enough psychopaths in the world. I don't need to contribute to that. Um, yeah, I just, I couldn't figure out how I would actually make all of that happen. And my son's father, I knew him in college. And at the time he was in the military <laughs> and um, I, I, I was like, he, yeah, <laughs> this doesn't work. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't put the square peg in the circle. Is that, right. 
the expression. Yeah, I just I just couldn't make it work. I think it, I don't know if it was a, as epiphany so much as it was this doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So you were able to realize that the life that you really wanted to create and to live, right? This uh, more fulfillment, right? More more balance, more happiness, more fulfillment. Not to mention more fun, right? Yeah, I mean it's a funny thing. I loved my work. <laughs> like I loved it. It's probably why I mean it's probably why I could throw eighty hours a week at it. But I loved me too, mm. right? I loved me and the things that I valued as well, right? And, and um, it's like, is it the work? Or is it me? And if there isn't a me, then there isn't the work. Mm -hmm. I'll, I, I, I mean, I've never done any, I'm fortunate that I've never done any work in this world that I didn't love and I didn't feel completely gung-ho about. But I, I, I wasn't willing to throw myself under the bus to do that work. I hear you. I hear you. So after seven years, you've met your partner and you said, I like your life. Can you um, share a little bit, what was it about his life that you or her life, what, your partner's life that you really loved or admired? She traveled. <laughs> I love to travel. I love to travel. Um, you know, she, she had, her life was very different over the summers. And it's not that I just want to diffuse like uh, a myth right now. It's not that people in academia don't work over the summer. It's just that the nature of their work really shifts, right? Like you're not in the classroom, but you'll be writing. You'll be, you know, you'll be doing other things. I really like that. Like she could read. She should read. I like read. I'm in a car. <laughs> I read. The only thing I read is my language for collective bargaining agreements at night. That's what I read. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, I, you know, and she could think and create and theorize in ways that I, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I couldn't do that. That just wasn't, no, <laughs> there was no time to do that. And these are all things that uh, you aspired to do or you felt like at one time you used to do, but no longer did? Um, I never thought that I could do it. I remember I, there's um, someone I know from another organization um, is a major historian, American history historian. And, I'm like, I can't imagine writing a book. Like, I can't. Like, because, you know, you write a dissertation, you've effectively written a draft of a book. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't imagine doing that. It just didn't occur to me that I could do that. And I saw her doing it. And I'm like, well, may or maybe I could. Maybe I could. And she, she taught me a lot about the admissions process. And I thought, well, you know, I didn't get a master's in history. Like what I wanted to do is history and I didn't major in history in college. I'm like, there's no way they're going to take me. She's like, hey, you're crazy. You have a JD. I'm like, what? Like, that's what that works. That she's like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, I it just, it just, it was, there's a scholar I read who talks about the unthinkable. Like this was the unthinkable. And I was like, that's an, op that's an option for me. And I, and I was like, well, let's, let's, I'm all in. Let's do this. I love it. So you were able to start shifting your perspective. Is that maybe? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like no one in my family has a doctorate. Like I, I there are like three of us who are lawyers. <laughs> like, you know, like this is like, well, I mean, no, my, I mean, my parents are really poor immigrants from Jamaica, right? There are no, it is for like many of their siblings. It's like, it's actually there two. So there's my dad's sister and then there's my mom and my dad and they created the scholars of the bunch, right? I have mm -hmm. many, many cousins, but we're the ones who 
you know, one of my, I'm one of my, one of my cousins is a lawyer. My sister's a lawyer. One of them's an engineer. And then there's me who's got the JD PhD. Like, like there, it just wasn't, it was, it was a complete paradigm shift. I'm like, wow, that, okay. I, I, if I can do that, I will try. I will. I'm totally up for it. Well, it's amazing when we shift our perspective, right? You know, that's one of the things that I always teach and talk about is when we shift our perspective, it's you shift a thought. And when you change right. your thought pattern, you emit new emotions. And you know this as a coach, right? Exactly. Actually, my coach talks about putting on different perspectacles. Uh-huh. I love perspectacles. I love it. I know, right? And it was a completely different pair of perspectacles. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> And I, I feel like that's really what I pretty much did with my life a few years ago, put on, you know, new perspective, new set of perspectacles, <laughs> if you will, going, wow, there, there is another way to do this. Exactly. Exactly. And so now you are a mom. Yes. Yeah, I am. Uh, congratulations. And then he doesn't talk to me anymore. Oh. <laughs> that's a different issue. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> He's doing what 15-year-olds are supposed to do, so I guess I've done well. <laughs> uh, well, we can have a conversation off camera on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so you started making your perspective shifts um, prior to having your son, or? Yeah. Uh, okay. As and, I wanted to tee up to have him, yeah. Okay. And how, uh, you know, if you will, because what I'm trying to do is I want to build this, um, if you will, a timeline for my listeners, you know, as to, uh, you shifted your perspective on, well, if you can do it, I can do it. Well, maybe I can do it. Maybe this is a possibility. Mm-hmm. And what would you say were some of those, um, I like to just think of them as baby steps. Mm-hmm. Those little things that we okay. start shifting and changing. Right, right, right. So right. can you share with us a little bit about some of those things that started shifting for you? Um, so one of the things, that was interesting. My partner always, my partner has a, ma- uh, a master's degree in math. And one of the things that she always found really impressive with me is that I don't like a lot of people are like, I hate math. I can't do it. And I'm like, all right, I create charts. I like do like, I, I, I don't, I don't have math fears per se. And she always found that fascinating. She's like, you're going to do really well on the GRE. I'm like, okay, whatever. Cause I don't, I don't see, you know, you can't, I, I don't, my challenge is that I don't actually see what I bring to the table for things, right? But the first step for me was to actually tackle the GRE because in my head, um, the only thing I know is that I'm terrible at standardized tests, right? So I took the, my grades were good. I came from a good school, but no one in my family ever took the SAT. I had terrible scores on the SAT. I joke and say, like, it shows that I was a moron, um, I, which isn't true, but like, that's what the, if you're going to go by scores, that's what that says. Um, same challenge with the LSAT. And when I took the bar, so I actually flunked the bar the first time I took it. Um, and here's, a, here's another perspective change. I'm getting to the later part soon, but um, I, I flunked the bar the first time I took it. I came to DC and I was just like, you know, reading, reading and reading and reading and reading. And someone walked up to me and said, you know, Michelle, really the key to passing the bar is 30 questions a day take, keeps the flunking away. And I'm like, what? And he said, just do 30 of the multiple choice tech questions, read the answers and understand why you got them right or wrong. I completely, like completely changed how I studied for the bar. And I never forgot that lesson. So when I had to go take the GRE, I did the practice one. Again, I show up as a complete moron. And I was like, okay, 30 questions a day keeps the flunking away. And so 
for an hour before I go to work, which is not lots of time here, but for an hour before I go to work, I would actually take the GRE over and over and like the practice test over and over and over again. I don't remember what the scores were, but they were really, they were really quite good. And my, my partner was like, you pulled up your scores that much in two weeks. I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> that's just what I do. That's what you do, right? That, that's what I do. I take the, and I, I'm, what I think what's good with me is that I, when I learn a lesson in life, I will apply it forever going forward. Um, so that was actually the first step. Um, and I got, you know, it was great to get recommendations from people and they, and pe the people who wrote recommendations were excited that I was going to do this whole new thing. Um, the next error I made was actually, I wrote the personal statement I wrote was about, because, you know, when I applied for law school, it was like my personal statement. I talked about me. It turns out when you go applying for a doctoral program, you're supposed to talk about the research project you're doing. And I didn't know that. <laughs> Or in the, in the humanities, actually in education, that's not what you do, but in the humanities, you talk about the project, and I didn't do that. So I actually got in the master's program at first, and so I got through the master's program, and um, and the thing, the next step I learned in that program was you don't have to read every single word. You can actually skim the reading, and I'm like, I I don't do that. I read the book. You have to, I'm going to read the book. I'll read the, every word of the article, and I'm like, oh, you guys are skimming. <laughs> <laughs> this was news to me. Um, so, but when I reapplied, when I applied for the doctoral program, I actually had a research project. It was a really quite good, very sound research project. And I did it. Um, I, and so I think, yeah, like actually take, applying the lesson about how to take standardized tests. I actually told my sister that and she passed the bar. She's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, I know. That just, that this will be the one thing in my life you can credit to me. And, um, <laughs> But there was that, and then, there, but there was also applying what I know and just quickly seeing what other people were doing and 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 applying that to what it, to whatever I do. So, in other words, taking what I'm hearing is <clears throat> you allowed yourself to be open to new ideas, yes, suggestions, yes, and then you tried to see which one of these were going to work best for you. Exactly. Right? And then when you figure out what works best for you. You kept it and continued to apply it. Exactly. In the next area. Exactly. <clears throat> oh, how 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 amazing is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple. If more it of, is, but people don't of, do that. I don't. <laughs> if we would just all do it a little bit more. <laughs> like apparently, people just don't do that. I'm like, <clears throat> but but well, that worked for you. Why would you change it? Right. <laughs> see what works. Applies what works. Dump the rest. Like that's that's. I. Well, and that's it, Michelle, because so many of us, you know, we're, we're, we kind of come up through the ranks, if you will. Right. Um, you know, what we've been taught from our family or our educators, <clears throat> if you will. And we just assume that's all, that's all there is. That's just the right way. And there is no other way. And, <laughs> and then we reach these uh, parts of our life where we go, huh, this is just not working for me anymore. <laughs> Exactly. Something's got to change. Exactly. You know, I had a guest one time. Uh, she talks about her big, you know, epiphany in these transformations that she went through. And she had a coach mentor who talked to her about the concept of being the beginner. Oh, um, right. Always 
learning and open to new ideas. Yes. And I always think about her story. Um, and for anybody listening, I'll kind of put a link in the show notes here because that is another really great journey. It's a good lesson to always be the beginner because what I heard from that story too, kind of like for you, it takes that fear out of trying something new. It's right? true. It's true. Cause you have to start from scratch somewhere. If I'm a beginner, where am I going to start? And I have exactly. to learn somehow. Exactly. And it also, no, it takes knowing that something isn't working. Like I could just approach standardized tests the way I always did, but it wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and why, why continue doing what wasn't working? Cause that's a little of insanity, isn't it? That is the definition of insanity. <laughs> that is it. Well, I love the, um, the transitions and the, um, the baby steps that you've taken. How many years later would you say, uh, before you became a mom? Oh, let's see. Um, so I got to New York at 2001, actually two weeks before September 11th. Um, yeah, good times. And, uh, <laughs> I, and I think I tell people, well, if I wasn't living in New York, I would have been in DC. So it would have been what it was. Right. Either way. Um, but my son was born in 2004. Oh, okay. So our kids are not that far apart. Ah, that's good. Yes. 2005. <laughs> yeah. I have a 2005 baby. Amongst the other three that are well, well gone out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about teenage stuff later. Yes. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you're, so you're a mompreneur at this point when you now have your son. Yeah, right? no, I, I know I was a, I wasn't a mompreneur at that point. Actually, mm -hmm. I didn't. So I didn't start my own business until four or five years ago, mm -hmm. um, and it was and it was at that like I finished the doctoral program, and I was adjuncting, and I love to teach. I do, but um, teaching in two different states and two different boroughs of New York City was absolutely maddening. <laughs> like the commute was hard the um the income is impossible and i it was totally not workable and i had done i've been part of this project called reevaluation re counseling for many many years and one of the things i learned from that was listening so here we go again michelle takes the skill she has and figures out that so i was literally in the bathroom thinking this is not going to work right like you're going to kill yourself if we don't do something else when you you just are and so what are we going to do? And I'm like, I have these listening skills. I wish, I really wish I could figure out a way to apply them somewhere. And I tell you, I washed my hands, got up, got to my computer, was checking my email. And I'll be damned if there wasn't a note that says, um, we're having a training for coaches. You can win a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those moments you're like, um, what's who did that? You're right. <laughs> who did that? What? <laughs> Um, I wasn't entirely sure what coaching was. And I'm like, I think that's what I'm looking for. I applied for the scholarship and won it. Um, and that's how I became a coach. And so, yeah, that, that, that was, I mean, I really, it was this, it was this moment about adjuncting is driving me crazy and I want to be around for my son. Like those are the two, those are the two things that I, I, I taught, I tell people coaching saved my life. What would you say has been one of the biggest challenges in your your life personally that you feel like uh had, well, let's just start there what was one of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome hmm. um you know i think i i think that two-year period of just teaching and 
money was super tight and I couldn't figure out a way out was one of the darkest times of my life. It was, I couldn't tell that I would make a good candidate for the professoriate. The jobs weren't really out there. Um, I, <laughs> I had a dissertation, like there was one job I was going to apply to in Philly. I looked at the application, like we want a 20 page writing sample. And I'm like, I have a 60 page chapter. I don't actually know what to do with this. And I didn't apply. Right. And I'm heartbroken. I was absolutely heartbroken. I'm like, that would have been, I, that would have been workable. Um, but that, I, I think like that was, I never, I, you know, I don't have a history of depression. I'm not, I don't really call my, I don't think of myself as someone that often thinks about killing herself, but that was, that was, that was the worst. I was going to say, it sounds like a very dark, dark time for you. It was, I mean, it was dark, but I don't think I couldn't be the person I am today without it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I say this all the time, you know, um, I, I really, in my heart, feel like that's one of the reasons why I connect with so many women entrepreneurs mm. or mompreneurs, really, because um, there's almost not one challenge that you can say that you've had to deal with that I, I really, truly can't say, been there, done that, or I've been so close to that. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with somebody the other day after um, I facilitated a network meeting, mm-hmm. a conversation afterwards, and she was sharing some challenges, and I said, ah, can totally relate to that one. And I said, just wanted to let you know. And she tells me some more story about the situation. I go, uh-huh, got that too. Go ahead. And she, and got that three. She goes, you're mm-hmm. kidding me. And I said, no, I'm not kidding you. Um, you know, very colorful life. And, um, but because of those experiences, you know, it's those of us who have figured out how to overcome, right? And, and learn from those experiences instead of repeating those situations. Exactly, exactly. It's those of us who are able to connect at that very deep level and help, such as yourself, women who are in that position of overwhelm and insanity from those 80 hours a week who really want to have a life, right? Exactly. You know, I think, you know, Shalene talks, Shalene Johnson, the, you know, I don't know if you know her work. She does a, I don't know, she's like a big time coachish kind of woman who I listen to sometimes, but she says, you know, she talks about like your stories aren't your stories. And I feel like that story is for me to help other women with. Absolutely. These are all things. Well, as a, as a, a we won't say new mompreneur, but relatively been right. for a few years now. Yeah. Uh, what, what, about three or four years now for you? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Four, yeah. Tell us what you enjoy most now, now that you've got the boundary set <laughs> and you're a woman who learns from her mistakes and you're a woman who really wanted to make sure her life is, um, what's the word I'm looking for, to be a good mom, because I yeah. can't my word right now. <laughs> I do that all the time. I just- I people- totally, I totally get it. I'm, I'm teaching them like, sounds like- <laughs> <laughs> Right, I go. I have charades right now because I don't know the word. Yeah, I, go, I can. I can see it right there. Right. Uh, I just did a live video today, and I was like, you know, I'm not even gonna delete it because that's just who I am. Just go with it. Okay. I, I guess. <laughs> just go with it. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, what question did I just ask you? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um. All right. So, now that I have the boundaries. Yeah. And, you know, you're setting your life up to have that life, to, to be the good mom. You know, what is it that you love now most about your life? That's what it was. 
Um, I do love that I'm so in control of my time. Mm. And um, I mean, I've been teaching long enough. I haven't quite gotten to the point where I cannot teach, but I can stop teaching. But I've been teaching long enough where it's become a smaller and smaller part of my life. And ironically, my students are getting more and more out of what I do in the classroom. I never would have thought that would have worked ever. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love, I love the women I work with. I mean, every single one of them, like I, I root for them. I'm like, you know, when they're, and when they're going through something, like I feel it in my gut and I, you know, and I kind of want to make it better, but I know that they have to go through their journey. But like, I, I just have such deep, immense love and respect for every woman I get to work with. Um, I love, I do editing too, and I absolutely love the work that my clients do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like, I, I'm editing right now the work of a woman who is talking about Native, Native American education amongst the Navajo in the early 20th century. And I'm just like, I never would have picked this up. Not that I shouldn't have, but I never would have. And it's like, I am so blessed to get to, I mean, you're excited because I'm editing your work. Okay. I'm excited because I get to learn about this. Like, like I, I, it's just like, it's like pinch me, <laughs> pinch me. And it's really exciting to have a business that pays me and to like, and it's not exactly where I want it yet, but I'm like, I see the path forward. Like for the first time in 10 years, I have never been so clear about what my path forward is. That's exciting. That yeah. That's exciting. All it's right. so hopeful. <laughs> so ridiculously hopeful. And that's exactly what I tell everybody in this, this uh, program that I have. It's, you know, that emotion hope. When you can have hope, you can move leaps and bounds, right? So true. It's so true. On the hopeful side. Well, as a, as a working mom, entrepreneur, what are some of the things that you like to do for yourself? Like, how do you, how do you relax and unplug? So when we were talking before you were recording, it's, I, I, I sing actually. I do sing um, art songs and opera. I um, and I also sing sacred music in Catholic churches. So um, I actually I did my first vocal recital since I was seventeen, and let's just say I'm not seventeen now. Um, <laughs> this past February, and um, like my sister's like a major critic, like she's very, very critical. And she walked up to me after the recital in tears. And I think and I thought like, cause it's me. I'm like, was it something I said? <laughs> she was like, that was so beautiful. I had no idea you did this. Um, I, and I was like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, and it, it was, and here's the thing. Every single time I take a step, for musically I like stuff happens in my business I don't understand why I'm not going to question it but that was that was apparently very very important um but I do that um I love to knit and crochet um all of my winter stuff I make mm -hmm. myself um those are the two big ones that I do and I, I mean I do love to read yeah we, we do travel we, you know we travel and I like I've got my nose in a book the entire time um those are the primary things I love to do. Well, you said something really important, and I just want to make sure everybody heard that. You made a statement that every time I do something with my music, yeah. every, my business moves forward every time you yeah. do that. And that is because it's, it's a law in the universe, believe it or not. And you, you must, until you can appreciate who you are and what you are and what you have, it just won't expand. So you are taking your gifts and your natural talent mm -hmm. and appreciating them in here 
Mm. All right. So you have to fill mm. yourself first. And that's what, um, if women, if you hear no other lesson today with this conversation mm. here that you must fill yourself, right? Because then your business takes off, your relationships improve, your finances go forward. You're, you can't fill from an you can't pour from an empty cup. You really can't. You know, it's it's the whole thing about the airplane. You have to put your oxygen mask on first exactly. in order for somebody to survive. Exactly. Now, I just want to take one quick tangent from there because we're almost done. Yeah. Uh, with your family time, because mm -hmm. I, you know, what I see with my mompreneurs in the balance, because that's what I talk about. My coach life and work balance. Uh, share with us maybe something that you do as a family you know, with your son, your partner, like, how do you guys kind of connect? Um, there's always food. We all love food. <laughs> we all love to eat. Um, <laughs> so, cause I have a teenager who I, you know, I, so I'll start with this. Like I, it's so interesting. Like after being all of, all of these years where you're like this with your child and you're like physically like, <laughs> like, you know, and that happens for a while, even when they're 10, like 11, like they're still very, they want to be, with you they do. and then all of a sudden at 12 and 13 and 14 you're like where did you go come back <laughs> um, my child um but food we all like actually figure out how to sit and talk with each other and we um we just moved up to harlem in from the greenwich village in march and this neighborhood is so so live right like and there's so many amazing places to get food and eat so we have that part where we actually connect with each other but we also connect when we travel so last year we did um a trip to jamaica and i drove on the north coast the entire time and we got to stop and film it and i got to talk to them about like what you know like the stuff i do academically and the stuff i do coaching and the stuff i do with singing like it it, it all feeds everything else right so i get to say like okay so this is Falmouth, and this is a major part of post-emancipation jamaica it's really actually a really important spot you know and like we got to climb duns river falls together and that was such i'm kind of afraid of water and i'm kind of afraid of heights so like i was like well this we'll see how this goes with me but my son was like so like he would reach for my hand and help me up you know and my, my partner would say okay i'm gonna have to meet you like i, I don't want to take the chance and do anymore but like i we really connected with that and that was it was amazing so we do we you know when we're traveling and when we're eating we're on point, <laughs> we're on point. well and it's all about making memories and having that exactly time, right exactly actually and the other thing we do is my son runs track and field and he's crazy good like i've stopped like <laughs> their kid their parents who can like chase their kids when mm -hmm. they're really little at five i stopped i'm like i can't <laughs> after you. you're just too fast stop at the corner um and we all loved going to his track meets <laughs> and um i don't know if he likes us there so much but like we go anyway and um it's just do you, do you embarrass him not yet <laughs> <laughs> i don't take that off the table as a possibility i feel like that's my duty as a parent to embarrass you um so <laughs> i would take I, it I off the table that's my job. <laughs> That's my job in life. Um, but like, I just absolutely, my heart just like, I actually, I used to run track and field. So I feel all the nervousness that he feels before the race, but it's amazing to watch him do his thing. It's just like, and my, my, my partner and I are like very, very excited to see him uh, do that and to thrive and I just end up so proud. I'm like, oh I was gonna say, you're such a proud mom right now. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I am. I am. Just Cabell. I mean, I, there's like, I mean, he's been, 
people say that you get the child that you need and I feel like I got like the easy one like like some like I got the easy child like yeah you should do this but you should this shouldn't like be overwhelming for you right and mm-hmm. I have a child who I don't have to nag about homework he is he could do anything he I, I really mean this he could do anything he wants in this world and you know but he and he loves track and field he likes soccer and that's what he does he does his he's academically like fantastic it's just <laughs> it's it's a relief and i'm very and i'm like ridiculous proud of him oh you're such a proud mama i see it <laughs> it's a good you know it's a really good feeling when you um when you look at your kids and you have that sense of it's it's a sense of pride right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um in, in a couple of different ways one that they're figuring out their own journey right and, that they're they're being successful at it they're right. not struggling exactly and, and especially after they become adults for at least for me one of the the greatest joys that i have is looking at my adult children and you know seeing that they have become um, respectful responsible adults mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. great work ethics and they, mm-hmm. they're putting this into their own kids you know right. oh that's fantastic so oh to me that that's like man did a good job mama <laughs> <laughs> that is the pay dirt. It really is. It uh, wasn't always easy, but it was certainly, certainly, certainly worth it. Well, Michelle, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. This is lovely. <laughs> and do you have any last um, thoughts to share with any of our women mompreneurs that might be listening? You know, apply the lesson. <laughs> I, I've been reading all these books lately, but um you know, apply the lessons that you learn because I feel like that's what you're on earth to do. Like, because you can't do the things you want to do unless you do that. Like, so lesson learned and recognize the next situation where you're like, Oh, that's the lesson that I need to apply right now. I love it. And I will say this, that um, if your listeners are interested, I have a podcast yummy um, for them. Um, but I have to pull it up and find it because it's too easy for me. To, you know, the, we were talking about remembering things. Ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if they go to, and I'll email the link to you, okay. michelledeonthompson.com. Mm-hmm. And that's two L's, two N's, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Um, and then backslash podcast dash listeners. Um, there is a planning and pulse taking packet so if you're in academia there's something for you where you can actually sit down and do and do planning and assessment and there's one for lawyers as well so if, especially if your mompreneurs are lawyers there they can that's there for them oh that is a beautiful gift i will make sure i put that in the show notes so thank you okay. so much well you're welcome you're welcome all right